Leads, leads, leads. What is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, a show about a place called Leeds, a time called now, and an activity called work. Working Hours wants to record 1,000 lawyers over the course of this, the most important decade in the history of the human species, and ask them about what they do all day and hear how they feel about it. My mission is to try to map out what my city, Leeds, a city that has declared a climate emergency, is doing during humanity's biggest emergency. On working hours, we hear how loiners have, are, and will be coping with our multiple crises. The global pandemic, Brexit, and of course, the ongoing and accelerating collapsing of capitalism, the state, and the climate through this decade. To do this, I need people, people like you, dear listener. Most of all, I need people who are in Leeds or who are from Leeds to come on this show and be my guests. So please join me and help me with this mission whenever and however you can. Critically, I will need people like you, dear listener, as financial backers. Please consider supporting or donating to this project. You can do so with a £1 monthly donation via either Patreon or Ko-fi, or you could donate any one-off amount to Working Hours via either Ko-fi or through the LibrePay button on the About page of Western Studios' website. Thank you. My name is Simon, and this is all my fault. What did you want to be when you grew up? I think I probably, if I'm very honest with myself, always wanted to be a primary school teacher. Mm. I did have various blips along the way where I thought I wanted to be an interior designer and I had a place at art college, but that all changed during the time that I was doing my A-levels, retaking my A-levels and deciding what to apply for. Mm. So I I ended up applying for a teacher training college. Mm. What A-levels did you do? I did uh, maths with statistics, art, sociology, uh, general studies, because that was a thing in those days. So, uh, yeah, so I went to teach a training college and and that was kind of it. I'd done lots of work on um, play schemes and uh, different voluntary bits with different groups and things. And, yeah, just felt very comfortable and, and happy working with children and challenging children. But generally speaking, I tended to always work with children who were not in the greatest of circumstances. And that's mm. kind of where I found my place, really. And I've always worked in schools where children's lives are not easy uh, or they come from backgrounds where, uh, you know, there's not much money about or, mm. or parents have had a great time themselves. So I tend to find that that's where, where my home is, mm. really. And that's what I've, I've done um, with a real heart for that for 30 years, really. Mm. I've worked my way through leadership teams. I've done leadership qualifications. I've led lots of core subjects. I've mm. um, done lots of work developing children's confidence and speaking and listening skills and motivation. Uh, uh, lots of things to try and help children find their place and find their opportunities beyond, beyond their own home and their own home life. And to do to do well, I'm very much uh, a believer in equity, and so I very much uh, have worked towards that really all the way through everything I've done. I think that's something that grew. It wasn't there necessarily as something that I knew that I was doing. It just sort of grew as time went on. My parents came from low income families. My siblings and I are sort of first generation of uh, going to university, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, I kind of had a, a 
a heart for those for, for children who didn't have the opportunity uh, for where where children are in situations where it's difficult to think of opportunity of being a thing for them um mm. and, and to have those thoughts that what what can I do with my life what what can I enjoy my life have I got choices and to be able to make those choices so what was it that made you identify teacher like I mean to a degree it sounds like you saw teaching as a way to change like change lives as the government advert used to say like uh, what what was that for you do you think um I, I think in at the beginning it was more to do with um my dad had was was a joiner shop fitter and ended up teaching um at the college of building teaching um lads at night classes when they'd done their day's work and teaching them shop fitting you know lads who were were it, not in the easiest of circumstances, having to do a day's work and then coming and learning mm. more, uh, and my dad doing a day's work and then teaching more. Yeah. Uh, and so I kind of wanted to be like my dad, mm. um, that I was helping people. But also I just, uh, from what opportunities I'd had, I just had a, a fairly, I think, natural affinity with children and, and working with children. So I kind of, it seemed a... a a relatively natural thing for me to want to do mm -hmm. um, and other people it sounds I don't know blowing my trumpet a bit but in a way but other people had seen it and pushed me mm. that way I guess not that mm. I complained I was quite happy to do but it sort of encouraged me in that that way mm. so that's kind of just what I ended up doing um, and that has fed me and hopefully I've fed many other children through it really. Mm. You're listening to Series 3, Episode 34, and to my guest, Caroline Hudson. This is another Zoom interview recorded on the 28th of October 2022. Hello, loves. Caroline Hudson has over 30 years' experience as a primary school teacher in West Yorkshire and is passionate about developing the chance for all children to be the best that they can be and giving them the tools to make confident choices. Caroline believes that by giving parents the knowledge and understanding of up-to-date primary school methods and expectations, they will feel more confident with helping their own children. To do this, Caroline started the Kitchen Table Teacher UK. The Kitchen Table Teacher UK has classes for parents of primary school children that are held in small, friendly groups in informal, neutral settings. In each class, over a cuppa and a cake, parents learn more about how to support their children's learning develop their understanding of how and what their kids are being taught in school, and maybe even make some new friends. The groups focus on English and math skills and the concepts being taught in primary school. The classes are a relaxed and safe place to develop understanding and confidence, run at a pace to suit those in the group, and with space to ask those niggling questions. For more information, go to www kitchentableteacher.co.uk or follow Caroline on social media at kitchentableteacheruk. Also, a quick note on the quality of this episode. There's some crackling and rustling. I will, again, probably at the end of the year, talk about some of these issues. But yes, we'll talk about that then. Now, please enjoy this episode of Working Hours with Caroline Hudson. We've kind of talked around it, but the next question is, what are you doing now? Because you're doing something kind of a bit more specific now. So uh, what is it that you are doing now? So I came out of the classroom just last Christmas in December 21. I had a, 
a bit of a uh, an epiphany around about last October time, so about a year ago, where I suddenly, well, no, not suddenly, but I, I felt this was time now um, that I needed to put my energies into the things that I felt most passionate about. Mm -hmm. You know, we'd been through COVID, we'd got vaguely out of the other side of that, and I'd been, you know, part and parcel of all that went on in schools around that. Mm -hmm. um, we'd got various new circumstances personally and at work, and I just thought, if I don't do this now, I don't know when I will do it. And I wanted to really, I was spending a lot of energies doing things for other people that although they were important, they weren't my passion. And I developed this passion over time. Mm -hmm. And I thought I, I need to make a, take a leap of, of faith, for want of a better word, really, and, mm -hmm. and do something about it. I didn't quite know at that point how or in what form mm. because I was kind of too busy at work at that point to be able to think through. But I just needed, I knew I needed to do something mm. that was going to um, feed me for the next few years, really. Mm. Um, and while I still had the energy to do that, because yeah. uh, I'm, I'm 51 and I've done 30 years, you know, of graft mm. mm. on behalf of, um, of of children and and their families, and mm. I wanted to do that graft on behalf of them, but I wanted to do put together everything that I'd learned and everything that I was passionate about, and mm. do it um, kind of off my own back, not somebody else's. Mm. And, and and make that difference in a way that wasn't completely restricted by everything else that was going on around mm. uh, because, you know, schools have massive amounts of restrictions uh, around them, which are there for a good reason. Mm. And I wanted to sort of take all those positives and put them together to make this bespoke offer that I'm doing. So uh, what I'm doing currently, I'm kind of going for a bit of a multi-income stream uh, as you might expect, this was a brand new concept. The concept is that, um, particularly exacerbated by COVID, I guess, where parents would get, were left trying to educate their children with methods that they didn't understand. Mm. Um, so I run uh, groups for parents based on uh, primary English and maths methods and expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, just little sociable, companionable groups with cake and tea and and sympathy and uh and i show them stuff i just show them uh so whatever age group their children are mm -hmm. i show them um what kind of things are the expectations that their children be learning mm -hmm. how they're taught now and explain those carefully and uh you know in a flexible amount of time so that parents can ask you know no question too small and yeah we just we just meet together and the idea originally was that it would be in a completely neutral space and for me, that that meant uh, ideally no overheads because at that point I've got no budget for it. So mm. uh, literally around my kitchen table, hence the title of my uh, business. Mm. Um, and so they just I did a little pilot group of parents locally. I just reached out on social media and mm -hmm. said, anybody like to come and have a glass of wine at my house on a Friday night and talk to me about this idea I've got? Mm. And I got quite a few and they just said, yes, please. When, when can we start, basically? Mm. So, yeah, that's that's kind of that's the basis of it. It's very simple. So I, I run classes for particular age groups of children's parents, 
Um, so we tend to do them in like blocks of about five. So it's about an hour for about for five weeks. Mm. Uh, and I try and do it at different times of the day and evening so that they've got a choice about when they come. Mm -hmm. And so we might do uh, a week on phonics, a week on writing, a couple of weeks on maths, mm. and then, you know, an, another week on whatever else they want to talk about. And I kind of have a basic of what I will cover. Mm -hmm. But then that's completely flexible based on the parents' needs. I had one parent who came whose child was had just been diagnosed with dyslexia, so she wanted to talk a lot more about that. So there's yeah, there's a basic, and then there's lots of flexibility within that, and it's led by the parents within that level. Mm. So I've been running it around my kitchen table. I'm trying to get it into schools. I would like to be funded so I can get it into schools ultimately, but that's a whole other ball game. Mm -hmm. um, Schools do have ring-fenced money for such things. They have people premium money. They have catch-up money. Mm. Uh, and schools are very keen. But getting to the next step where they're booking me is is the hard part, really. Or also getting past the security systems of emails and things. School emails are renowned for being really difficult to get through uh, to who you want to speak to. Mm. So, yeah, and as we know, schools are having really rough times with budgets as well so mm. slow burn but you know i'm really proud of where we've got to you know in the 10 months that i've been running mm -hmm. uh i've learned a lot i'm doing some training for teachers as well some online training some mm -hmm. uh on something else on speaking and listening i'm doing some work for leeds beckett university just some hourly paid things but yeah that, my main thrust of my business is is helping parents mm. so that they can and then i give them some things to take home that are like school type resources and show them exactly how they use them, how else they can use them, what they don't need to be doing, mm. how long they need to spend or don't need to spend. Because lots of parents think, well, we need to be sitting reading for an hour and you can only concentrate for five minutes and mm. therefore I'm a failure. You know, mm. on the beach of a parent's evening and I had some difficult questions and things and I didn't know what to ask. And it's just about sort of raising that confidence that they can help because, the, you know, a lot of parents are coming to me saying, my child is five, I'm a grown-up, I should be able to help. Mm. but I can't because I don't understand it. Mm. I don't understand this thing that I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, so they either back off or they do it how they think, but their child is telling them it's wrong. And so it creates lots of tensions and difficulties at home, which, you know, I try and sort of put their minds at rest and say, look, it's fine, you know, and help them and show them what things are they're doing at school. Uh, and they go away and I, and, and, you know, and they chat, they get to know each other better in the groups and they chat and they go, oh yeah, I think that as well. It's not mm. just me. And I've got parents who come back to me for because they've got a child of a different age group. They want to learn about that age group, mm -hmm. uh, which has been really good because it's meant that they must have really felt benefits from what they did when they came the first time. Mm -hmm. And some parents have come to me because they've been recommended by somebody else who's been. So there's, there's lots of benefits mm. for the parent, which then passes on to the child because they have mm. a much more positive attitude towards it. They feel more confident about it. Mm. They feel like they know what they're doing now. Yeah. And so the child gets that confidence as well. And hopefully it's much more long-term benefit because they feel like they can then go back to the teacher and say, right, so I need to ask these questions. I know what I'm doing, but I need to ask you this now. Whereas before a lot, a lot of parents would say, oh, I, I can't go to the teacher because she's busy or he's mm -hmm. busy, you know, or I can't ask that. That's a really, oh, I feel really silly. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, there's ultimately the benefits are for the children, but mm. vicariously, I'd say, I guess, through the parent 
um, rather than parents going, well, I don't get this, I'll have to just get a tutor, mm. uh, which is what seems to be happening a lot. Mm. Just before we move on, how do you feel potential wise of like, have you kind of naturally fallen into this or is it quite, has it been quite strategic or are you kind of like, do you think you've hit a real vein of something that could go big or are you kind of like, is this a bit niche and is this going to work or? Uh, there's parts of me that think it's a bit niche, but because I've um, opened it up to do it uh, on Zoom and things, and that means I can talk to anybody anywhere, mm. because obviously there's only me that can do a session at any one time mm. in any one place. So that massively limits it. And it's an idea that's grown and shaped as time has gone on mm. uh, because of you know the limitations or possibilities. Kind of would like to think it's franchisable ultimately. Mm. But I also have lots of ideas about going forward to do with like passive income and products that I can put out. I've got a website where I sell my courses. You know, I'm a primary school teacher. I'm not a business mm. person and mm. I'm having to learn to be a business person mm. and a marketer and everything else at the same time. Yeah. So it's a massive learning curve for me. I think my thing feels very natural. Yeah, My thing that's my feels really natural and, yeah. and I love it. And I feel so, so positive about how empowered the parents feel yeah. when they come back to me. You know, and a parent came back to me last week who I'd uh, worked with very early doors. Mm. She just happened to put uh, something on Facebook and I'd not seen her name for ages just, on something else, nothing to do with me. And I just said, oh, hello, how are you? Or back on the, on the same uh, post. And she sent me a private message and just a big, long spiel of how good she was doing, what she was doing now, what a difference it had made. And that's like six months later. Mm. Um, and so my thing, that's my thing, feels really good. Mm. And I feel really proud of it. I feel um, like it's something that is making a difference. Mm. Um, the rest of it whew, is a, a massive learning curve and that's not coming naturally to me at all. Um, mm. Fortunately, my sister is in digital marketing and she's helped me a lot. But, you know, she's got her own job to do. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and marketing myself and putting myself out there. I'm not naturally a particularly outgoing person. Mm. I'm all right when I'm in my context. Mm. I'm fine when I've got my mm. thing to talk about. So putting myself into other people's situations and going, hey, this is what I do. Yeah. It's, it's hard. And filming myself to do, doing reels and stuff like that absolute nightmare not mm. happy about that at all mm. and it's not that i'm bothered about seeing myself on film or my voice or anything because mm. i've been doing zoom teaching since covid so mm. that's you know we're all quite used to that now in a way but um it just that that whole thing just doesn't come naturally to me at all i mean my my family make jokes about how many photographs we've got of them of their children growing up which is there are some, don't get me wrong, but quite minimal compared to many other people because I can't even remember to get the camera out half the time, you know? <laughs> I think if they had phone cameras, that's been a bit better. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just not natural at this sort of thing. So, mm. uh, yeah, the, the thing that's my passion is great, mm. really natural. And when I'm doing things like this on Zoom, so I did a, a little pre-business course with Trust Leads earlier on in the year and you know people will say to me on zoom caroline you're so gentle and warm you feel like a person i want to talk to and that was a thing that i ever which is lovely mm. but it's not a thing that i knew or didn't know sort of or you're trying to consciously cultivate yeah 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 so 
I, I'll go into some questions. So I'll, I'd normally kind of start with COVID, but I'm, I'm going to leave that for a bit. So I want to kick off because we've, again, just touched on it. So let's go into the social media question. So we'll just kind of expand a bit more on what you were saying. So what I want to look at is the return on investment for social media. Like, do you feel that the amount of time that you have to give that, does it give you the return on investment that you want from it? Or do you feel like you know what you're doing, especially with the kind of guidance from your sister, I guess. But does that feel like you know where you're going, you've got a plan and it and the amount of work you put into it's actually, you know, that's the thing that's driving your clients and growing, growing your business and your your opportunities. I think to a point, yes, but not hundred percent because it takes me I'm rubbish at it. So it takes me longer to do it or to even remember to do it. I at first got myself on loads of like local community groups and things and things that were sort of because my original thought was that people had come to me from round about where I live. And so I advertised on lots of things. Now, obviously, as you'll know, on Facebook, you're only allowed to advertise on certain days in certain groups. Mm. And so I had to write myself. I've got literally the same notebook that I had right at the beginning. I'm many notebooks in now, but the same notebook with all the days of the week and mm. who I'm allowed to advertise with. I think I've got very little. And that takes me absolutely yonks mm. and is a pay because I haven't yet got the hang of scheduling to a group. Mm. Um, there's lots of systems that I haven't got the hang of yet. So everything takes me 25 times longer than it needs to do. But I would say that the business that I have got has come through social media rather than from schools. But in terms of the other business that I've got, the private business, I would say that's all come from social media. Mm. Having said that, we're only talking about 10, 15 customers. Yeah. In 10 months. Yeah. We're not talking about hundreds. And I know the hours I've put in. But then, you know, it's a completely brand new business. It's a com- yeah. like you said, you know, getting people to know who you are and what you do and to yeah. come to you. Yeah. I guess I naively thought that once I put a few adverts out, people yeah. would come throwing themselves at me. <laughs> and uh, oh, Caroline, this is the perfect thing. Let me spend 50 pounds at your house. Um, yeah. So, and they understand yeah, but your offer as well, is, that sort of like, do, you it. know, are, do, are my adverts telling people what I'm actually doing? Like, do people yeah. get this? Yeah. And I was talking to, I've been, um, a lady from the den at Headingley got in touch with me uh, and said, we really like what you do. We want you to come and do some classes at our place. And she'd seen me through social media. So that mm. was great. But so I did some adverts for them and they've got a social media manager. Mm. And I met her the other day and she said, I, I love your advert, Karen. They're great. If I read it as me, I might think, oh, well, I'm very confident with my own English and maths. Thank you very much. But, and so it's not that your wording's wrong. Maybe you might want to just tweak it a bit. So we had a lovely conversation. She said, please don't mind me, me telling you. So I said, no, please tell me. I need mm. to know because I need to know how I know what I know because I'm a mm. teacher, mm. Uh, but I need to know what other people think it looks like. Mm. Um, so we had a little conversation about that and con. As a result, I've sent her various versions of my new advert for her to go, right, this one speaks to me. Um, and, and it's just learning, isn't it? It's a learning curve in terms yeah. of what other people see. Yeah. And when you're a professional in your business, it's hard to know how that will come across. Mm. So you've got to test these things. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you been in touch? So, with- yeah, it's taking me hours Yeah, and lots of learning. But yeah. Uh, I would say social media has been a big help to me 
really. Mm. And hopefully in, in the future. With, sorry, have you been in touch with Adventure? No, who are they? Uh, so they're the Chamber of Commerce or and the BIPC that's based at the library, the Business and IP Centre. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, and the other one's Adventure, so it's AD and then a colon and then Venture, and it's a Chamber of Commerce thing. They do lots of, like, webinar training things, but they do meetups right. and networking, and they have, like, consultants who will come and give support. Sometimes they can give you funding and stuff as well. They're definitely worth getting in touch with. Right. Yeah. Funding in particular, because that's another... Another way in, really, is where it would be very difficult for a school to say no to me if I can go and say, look, I'll do this for free. Mm, yeah. So, uh, and you know, and then it instantly you've got a lot of children helped very quickly. Yeah. Um, so, if, if, particularly if they've got funding or, or, or also other support and networks that are great. I've joined a couple of net- networking things. Mm. And again, that cross of social media because people have seen me or I've seen them. Mm. So, there's the parents of small business groups that I'm part of. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a couple of other things. Yeah. Which is really good. Yeah. Uh, and we we all help each other, so. Yeah, I want to get them on. <laughs> At some point, I will. But I, this is that's the other thing with the podcast is that it's kind of because I wanted people to come to me. I wanted to get sort of like everyone, like I've I, you know I've not had any winning chops or anything. It's like unsurprisingly, being on the internet, you're hitting people who are being on the internet. That's yeah. the thing with social media. I mean, like obviously, you've got your backgrounds in school, so you you you're all kind of digital exclusion and digital divide kind of aware like have you thought of anything in terms of your offer to kind of help with that circumvent it like how are you thinking of reaching people who haven't got access to zoom and to i mean obviously there's the physical meetups but if they can't drive or they're far away can you go to them or like what's your plan uh, well, I'm working with, or we're, we're st- still in process of sorting funding out with a group in Sheffield, mm-hmm. where I will be going to them, mm-hmm. called Helping Hands Sheffield. And I've done quite a lot of my digital work as being on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So I'm more heading towards educational professionals and also professionals who might want to talk to me, uh, who might want to work with me privately. So sort of mm-hmm. kind of hitting two things. I've got two different markets, really, in a way. So... Yeah, I mean, the the people who I would be working with who haven't got digital access, I am imagining would be the people within schools where I'm focusing my I, my marketing in mm. terms of funded approach, mm. really. So my idea is that I go into schools and we go in the community room or whatever, mm. um, and I'm a, a fairly fully comprehensive kit. You know, I've got all my own kit. I can just turn up. Mm. rock up uh, and and go. I don't need anybody to provide me with anything, really. Mm. And that parents who can't afford to pay me privately at all wouldn't even dream of paying me privately, you know, struggling with everything else, Mm. can come and just do it there. Uh, Now, it's not as neutral a place, Mm. so in that sense, it's not as ideal, but they're the places where the funding lies. If I can get other funding, I could do it in a church hall or anywhere else. But yeah, I mean, I think I'm still in very early days in terms of thinking yeah. through who and where and how, really. Like in terms of your costs and expenses and stuff, have you broke even yet? Are you like in profit? Like how's it going on that? Uh, no, I haven't broken even. But having said that, I haven't actually. In terms of what I've paid out for equipment, I've probably broken even, but in mm. terms of paying myself a wage, no, not at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
not even slightly. The work at the university has given me a bit of pocket money in terms of keeping the walls from the dub. Mm. I didn't expect, I guess, to be breaking even at this point. Mm. I expected to be further on. Mm. Naive. But, you know, a lot's happened, hasn't it, in the last mm. year? Well, mm. it's, so we're in an even worse state than we were when I thought of the idea. So mm. um, I think I thought I'd have more private customers, but I think I thought I'd be able to get into schools more easily than I, can, than I am doing. Mm. But everybody that I speak to, I mean, I had a meeting with our financial advisor, just our family financial advisor the other week, and he said, well, I wish you'd been around when my children were that age because I'd have come and how much charging and this, that and the other. And he said, it's a brilliant idea. Mm. So um, oh, I keep saying to people, I'm, I'm this close to being mm. a multimillionaire and I'm not <laughs> out to be a multimillionaire at all. I just would like to um, you know, pay myself a wage, mm. really, pay my bills. Yeah, I think it's going to take longer than than I'd hoped. Mm. I don't want to do COVID yet. I want to I, I don't know why I want to build up to it, but like we'll do one other question first and then I'll do COVID. So we'll, we'll do Brexit first. So okay. um, it sounds like, so how long have you been, when did you start again to start the business? I only started this business in January. January, really. okay. I've done some pilot work before then, but I was asking some head teachers um, about the effect of Brexit on schools. Hmm. I mean, obviously, I was in schools at the time of Brexit, but uh, I wasn't necessarily in a position to know quite how that was affected. And in many ways, I think it probably affected parents more than it affected primary schools, probably higher education more. It affected the price of school dinners, that sort of thing. And available. They go up or down, I guess they went up. Oh, yeah, yeah. funnily enough. <laughs> but I guess I suspect, had I been going longer and going during that time, it's more to do with the uncertainty and the availability of goods for parents mm. and therefore the ability of parents to commit to something extra, mm. I guess. But yeah, I mean, that, that's guesswork, really, on my part. Yeah, you can't really answer that because it's, it's, I mean, you've started after anyway, so it's kind of like, well, yeah. no, it hasn't. It can't because... <laughs> so. No. No. But I mean, I suppose later down the line, I mean, there could, you know, if, if there are, you know, long term effects or worse effects coming out of it, then that could impact you later down the line. Equally, yeah, yeah. If there are the so-called benefits forthcoming, I haven't had anyone say anything good about it yet. It's been neutral or bad. So right, okay. I keep saying this in the hopes that someone out there is listening to it and going, well, mine's been great. And I've had. It's like, come on, let's <laughs> <the> then. <laughs> so we'll do COVID. Okay. So what I want to look at here is kind of like how it's impacted your work over the longer term. Obviously, this is going to be different with your business. So, but we'll be, what I, how, you, how I want you to go into it is sort of thinking back to lockdown. Now, obviously being a teacher, I mean, some, some admin staff were furloughed. Some people were going in, like some people were teaching remotely. I want you to kind of just take us through that lockdown experience and just like the impact. I mean, like essentially your COVID story. Okay. So I was on residential with year six the week that we were told that schools were closing the following Monday and we were in Whitby and the head teacher was with us and we came back a day early so that she could be in school on the Friday, ready to to get preparations for closing mm. uh, on the Monday. So we were closed on the Monday and I thought I had symptoms quite early on. And I drove to school one day quite early on. I'd got up for work and everything else and got to the school car park and thought, 
I don't feel quite right. But of course, this was long before there was such a thing as a COVID test. And at that point, everybody was ultra sensitive to the idea that if you've got a slight cough or a bit of it, or you don't feel quite right, you best not come in. So I didn't come in for the first couple of weeks. And then, or maybe the first week, I can't remember. And then we were all just in all the time, mm. um, one way or another. So we were either, we were rotated at home, teaching from home via Teams and sending work via Class Dojo, which was like our school uh, internal, almost like Facebook, but for yeah, schools. Yeah. yeah. So we were communicating with our children and sending things and doing as much as we could via Class Dojo and Teams and recording ourselves in our back bedrooms, trying to mm. teach stuff and then trying to communicate with the children about how they've managed it or what they've managed. Then a different part of the road to we were in school with the children of well, the vulnerable children and the key worker children mm. and trying to do something constructive with them. But because they were sort of quite mixed age groups, it, it was a real um, difficult thing to manage, really. And there was also lots of social and emotional stuff going on around that because they were in and their friends weren't in. And a, a lot of the children that were in were in for various reasons to do with social emotional issues. So that had its own con uh, it had its own things going on. Mm. So we were just rotated in and off like that throughout various bits of times. Or for those children who couldn't access anything, access anything digitally, we were producing packs of work for them to come and collect from the gate. So somebody had to go beyond the gate to at certain times to give them out to people. And then those people who didn't come, we had to go deliver them to their houses. Mm -hmm. uh, socially distancing, of course, we were doing social distancing in classrooms, wiping everything, separating uh equipment out so that they all have their own equipment and that sort of thing. So we we spent as much time doing COVID organisation as we did teaching, really. And we just, you know, we just did our best to make it as accessible as we possibly could. But, you know, we were in an area of a certain amount of deprivation, a certain amount of children who couldn't have accessed those things one way or another. But, you know, everybody absolutely worked themselves to the bone to try and make it as, as good as we could mm. with what we have. And yeah, I mean, and then well, then we opened up again, didn't we? And it all feels quite like a blur now. Mm. We opened up again and we were having classes of children in. And of course, children were nervous. Parents were nervous. Children had missed a lot of socialization skills. Mm. People had so lost were, people as well. like, And had lost actual people, family members. So there was a lot of, it was a very difficult time in school and parents were really struggling at home because mm -hmm. a lot of them were trying to still do their own job mm -hmm. and teach their children. Mm -hmm. They had one iPad between them or some yeah. mum's phone or something yeah. and that was it. Yeah. Um, and so they, they were struggling for equipment, for time. Uh, and yeah, it, it was it was just hard, hard. And, and we're now seeing the results of that trauma because it was a trauma uh, on those children now because they've missed. For, I mean, for those children who were sort of four and five at the time, they've missed, you know, half of their life, mm. actually half of their life, mm. again, in school that they could have had or would have had normally. Mm. So they're kind of massively disadvantaged in terms of social and emotional skills, coping skills, mm. not to mention the actual learning of curriculum. And so obviously, you know, the, the catch up idea were fine to a point, 
um, that was put in and the funding. But the priorities were very skewed, I guess, in a way, in terms of, well, they must catch up their phonics or they must catch up to what mm. they've missed. But actually, they need to catch up just to how to be a little person and to cope with mm. the world around them. Mm. Um, uh, and that, uh, as teachers, we felt that that, you know, was actually far more important that mm. and that they would catch up that learning one way or another anyway, because it, it's not as if anybody, I think a lot of people were concerned that teachers were not really doing anything during that time. Mm. There's a you know a bit of a move around that that teachers were just uh, being paid to just be at home. Mm. Um, I think well, that's working incredibly hard. Yeah, that I think uh, that's actually. people just trying to accuse other people of what they're doing, kind of thing. It's like, well, who's got too much time on their hands? You obviously do. Um, so, yeah, 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 that that was it was that was the story really, and and now we've come through the other side of it. We're we're now seeing. The consequences of those gaps, gaps of time and gaps of opportunities and gaps of chances really to do things and to mm. to be with each other. Mm. So parents realised quite quickly, I think, that there was an awful lot about primary education that they didn't know, mm. that they were suddenly asked to do mm. or, or to try and get their children to do somehow or another. And we said a lot of the time to parents, well, just don't worry about it. Mm. Just let them be happy. Go to the park if you're allowed or, or, you know, just play, just play because that is as valuable as anything else. Don't, you know, I'm giving you these work things. If you can get them done, great. If you can't, don't worry about it mm. because we'll sort it. Uh, your children need to be happy. Mm. And we spent an awful lot of the time trying to reassure parents. We knew what we were doing and, and it was, there were things that were more important. Mm. But the parents did realize that they had an awful lot of gaps, no matter all the workshops and twilight sessions and things that school always did put on for parents to help them understand phonics or, you know, maths at that age or whatever. That was a very small amount of what was actually going on in school. And parents very quickly realized that they didn't really know and felt very unable to help their children. And a lot of parents sort of backed off because they thought, well, I just, I'm in danger of doing this wrong, or I just don't know. So that's kind of what exacerbated um, the problem in a way, because it's been a problem for years that it's very difficult to communicate with parents everything that we do in school, no matter how hard you try. Mm. Uh, and it kind of grew exponentially during COVID. So I know, like I know some teachers, and so I can remember sort of over the last year, like from testing every day to testing each week, you know, masks in corridors, these kind of things, you know, you wear your mask here, but not there. And yeah. it doesn't matter if yeah. other people are not wearing theirs or whatever. If like it's, it's yeah. a lot of it being very much seen to be doing a thing or something. So, yeah, I, I mean, was that the last straw for you in terms of teaching? Is that why you, you made the leap to business, do you think? Or was it just like... No, not at all. Yeah. No, I had fully intended. I'd spent all last summer preparing my classroom, making mm. it the, a really inspiring and calm and lovely place to be. I'd spent my summer holiday. I'd spent a lot of my own money in my classroom because I, I really want to commit to another year, you know, or, or whatever. But I, I had done various qualifications and various things to do with my passion of speaking and listening and communication skills. Mm -hmm. um, and... I guess there wasn't really a final straw. There was a few things that changed mm. personally and professionally, 
And I think it was more to do with the stars coming together, I guess, more than anything. It was a, a few bits and pieces that sort of gradually pulled together and made me just go, it's time. I had come out of the profession for a little while and done some other work and gone back in again and worked my way to where I wanted to be. And I'd kind of done what I wanted to do and felt that to do the next stage of what I wanted to do, I needed to come out. Mm. Um, and, and what I didn't want to do was to become the old stale teacher who said, oh, we did that 30 years ago and it didn't work then. Mm. Um, you know, or the person who was always annoying in staff meetings going, no, I'm not doing that. Because I've always been a great person who was very happily and open to change and to give mm. things a go. I've always been very flexible. I've not ever been a person who complained about workload or or, or anything because mm. I could, because I've been on leadership teams, I can see the big picture. I know why things happen the way they happen. I can see, you know, the full picture. So it's always been fine. It's just the nature of the job. That's what the job is. But I just felt that, yeah, my, my time had come to do that next thing. And I needed to do it outside of the constraints of the school mm. building, I guess, and the school system. But I still wanted to be in education. I still wanted to, you know, the thing where I was, I was helping families mm. um, and, and helping children's life chances, ultimately. So the other thing that I'm doing is, is professional development for teachers in terms of oracy and communication skills, which mm. has come through lots of research uh, over over recent years and so that's kind of my other thing but I'm putting that into the work that I'm doing with parents anyway so mm. I'm still getting to do that mm. okay I'll crack on with questions let's do climate change so here I want to look at what you are doing what you can do in terms of mitigation adaptation and awareness raising is it something that you can easily do within your role is it built into the design of it or is it something that it's like that's a green issue over there i can't afford it or it's not interesting to me or what what's your working approach i mean we 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 try to be as green as we can within our family my daughter works in sustainable chemistry we tend to do as as best as we can as a family mm. uh, does she take fight. off a lot <laughs> uh no no, no? But we're, we're pretty good at it really yeah uh, but you know there's five adults in the house so mm. you know we do create a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah. um but I suppose my, in terms of sustainability for the business, I guess by having it in my own home in the first instance is as sustainable as it can be because the heating's going to be on anyway, if mm. it's going to be on, the light's going to be on anyway, if they're going to be on. I'm not heating an extra building. So it meant no overheads for me and yeah. no sustainability issues, I guess, in that respect. And I didn't really want... A, Naively, I kind of wanted it to be a local thing and that if I did franchise it, ultimately, that it would still be a local thing for whoever was running the franchise. So a lot of my parents actually do walk to my house because I know where they all live and they all walk down, which is great. So the parents, the schools that I tend to advertise to tend to be very local schools. However, that's not going to generate me enough business ultimately to pay my bills. So the idea of going doing Zoom versions. So you'll see on my website, I've got Zoom versions advertised. They've not picked up at all yet. I had a couple of people who said they wanted to, but then they've not happened. I'm learning about false leads and leads that don't come to anything and trying not to take it personally. But so by doing that, I can mitigate a lot of travel and it also means I can reach more people. Having said that, I did just get a message from a lady in Harrogate who wants to come to Geisley and she wants to do face-to-face. -face. So, mm. well, 
that's her business. I'm, yeah, that's nice. I did offer an evening Zoom, but she wants to come face to face. So how she gets here is her choice. She might come on the train. I don't know. We have a train station literally just around the corner. Yeah. And I did have one parent coming on the train yeah. to my sessions. So that was good. So, you know, there's lots of, of fix. I didn't particularly have a climate change agenda as regards my business. But I, since coming across the different networking groups, you know, that's a thing that is part of their agenda anyway. Yeah. So I'm becoming more thoughtful about it, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess as a, as a family, we're relatively thoughtful about it anyway. Mm. So I tend to do things as sustainably as possible. Mm-hmm. So when I bake, because I always bake for my classes. So when I bake, I tend to only bake when I'm making tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the open's only on once. Nice. Uh, as much as anything to save my bills, but equally, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. um, I try and put things together. Yeah. So what do you do cake-wise? Let's talk cake for a bit. Uh, you it do has like... to be simple. Yeah. And okay. it has to be something that's not going to cost me a fortune in time or money to make mm. because otherwise, you know, it, it negates itself. So it's usually, oh, flatjack is very popular, lemon drizzle, mm. buns, or mm. cupcake, because people call them these days. They no, it's needs, it's buns. buns. <laughs> Biscuits, chocolate chip cookies, that sort of thing. Things that I can make in a batch mm. quickly and without lots of fancy things on them because, mm. yeah, it, otherwise it's not the point of it, really. Yeah. And my children love it because they get to eat what's left over. Mm. Which is great. <laughs> so, do you have, do you do any like catering for um, allergies and this, that, and the other, or is it just easy enough? Well, I always ask them before they. Yeah, I just ask them mm. um, when they first book. I like to know if they've got anything that like because we've also got a small dog that's it, although it's small, it's multiple hairs. Mm. So I always ask them if they a mind the dog. It's a rescue dog. It's very friendly and calm little thing. Mm. But he he does bark at the door. Uh, so I always ask them, A, if they mind the dog, B, if they're allergic to the dog, and C, if they've got any other allergies that I need to know about. And so far, one or two have had some preferences, but no, nothing severe. Uh, and also, when I, whether I, I do my, my marketing, I tend to do little stalls and things at different things. So I always put, uh, or when I do my free taster sessions at schools, mm. I always take ingredients lists and put them out with the baking mm. so that people can read what they are. And what's yeah. in them? Yeah, just to cover myself and saves a lot of questions as well. It's like you know, the people that just read it then. <laughs> it's like, yeah, has it got this in yeah. it? Has it got that in it? Yeah. Okay, so let's do UBI. If there was a universal basic income, so I assume you've heard of it, and I assume you would ask if you hadn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if there there was a UBI, it's enough to pay for your sort of basic needs and stuff. Well, first of all, would you work still? Second of all, if you would work, would you still be doing what you're doing now? And then the third part is, if you would still be doing what you're doing now, how would it be changed by the UBI? I don't think I'd be spending all my days sitting on a sun lounger in the sun. I'd be bored. I like to be busy and I like to be helping people. So, and I, and I don't think that I'd feel right just taking money and doing nothing. That said, obviously the motivations are affected. And so you're kind of doing something not just to pay the bills, you're doing something because you really want or you see the value of it. Whether it's a value because it makes the world go round or because it makes people's lives better, you know, there's still a value. 
So whether it's you're, you're emptying bins for a living because it, because bins need to be emptied or whether you're improving life chances, there's still a motivation, isn't there? So I would like to think that I was, I would still want to work. Mm. Pressure to earn a certain amount to pay my bills would mm. be different. So maybe I would feel more relaxed and able to be creative about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore more um, playful with it. Uh, but equally, I guess because of the way I'm funding myself at the moment, I kind of am doing that anyway. Mm. Um, you know, I, we're, we're, I, I'm not claiming anything uh, because I didn't want to have to be down the job centre every five minutes applying for a job that I didn't want. I wanted to put my mm. my energies into getting this off the ground. So we're using savings. Mm-hmm. which we're very lucky to be able to do. That's not going to last forever, but, you know, that's the, the plan at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I would, I, I guess, ultimately, there, there are always going to be people who would benefit from other people's help, mm-hmm. aren't there, in whatever way, shape or form that was. And I would want to think that I was contributing mm-hmm. because of the chances that I've had and the knowledge that I've accrued that I... It would feel to me a waste if I wasn't using it mm. to help people mm. to just sit on it and go, right, well, I've done my bit now. That's it. I'm, mm. I'm done. I would like to think that I've got plenty of life left in me and I would like to be able to balance that mm. with and doing things for my own leisure and pleasure, but also gaining a pleasure from helping other people as well. So mm. the motivation is slightly different, I guess, but I would still, I'd still want to be out there doing things. Mm. Do you think, because we, we didn't really kind of do work-life balance and sort of the health and well-being thing. I mean, obviously they were like really big, they were big business sort of like news terms for a good while and mental health still seems to be quite big on the agenda. How are you generally and how were you through COVID in terms of like, were you quite good at stopping work? Because obviously you've got a lot of work to do. I mean, everyone imagines teachers of like, you know, loads of holidays and nine till three. And it's like, no, it's like seven till nine at night. <laughs> like, you know, you're doing stuff through holidays. Like, are you a bit of a workaholic? Do you, do you, do you give too much? Or are you like, can you draw a line under it? And you're like, what, how do you deal with it? I think in, in teaching, it's very difficult to draw a line under it. And, it, and it's not so much the idea of being a workaholic. It's just that you're not in control of the number of jobs that need doing Mm. and therefore uh, you don't choose to sit till 11 o'clock at night. You have to. And that's the, you know, I would get into school at quarter past seven on a morning um, and I would leave at six o'clock at night. Mm. I would have about seven minutes for my dinner Mm. and that was the only time I stopped during the day. Mm. Um, and then I would come home. Hopefully my husband who's retired now would have made something for tea. Mm. I'd eat tea, maybe have a bit of a chat with my children and then carry on Mm. and then do it all again the next day. Mm. And the next day Mm. I was part-time for a lot of the time that I've been teaching, Mm. but I would still spend most of my other half of part of the week Mm. working. And the holidays, I would say, it's a myth that although schools are off, 
teachers are not up at all. I would say I, out of a six week holiday, I probably got about two weeks of actual holiday where I wasn't thinking about work. The rest of the time I was working or thinking about it or buying stuff for it or making resources or planning or in the classroom sorting stuff out. So work-life balance for teachers, and this isn't a, you know, a, a thing about teachers particularly, but it's, the, it's just the fact is it's not about being a workaholic. It's just how it is. And if you don't do those things, you fall by the wayside very quickly. But I think that's um, massively exploited. You know, it's just like, oh, well, they'll, they'll put up with it because they want to do it. And like, you know, before COVID, you've got 10 years of cuts. Like, so even if they're not cutting your wage or they're, they're not cutting your school, they're still not increasing it. Or like the increase will be below like, you know, real term gains and stuff. It, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, that can only go on for kind of so long. And, and like, I don't know how much it's been reported in the media, but there's like, you know, huge loss of teachers, like the the whole thing is it's screaming out. And then that obviously puts pressure on everyone else. And then more people drop out. Yeah. Like I know loads of people who've just gone into it, been trained, done a bit and been like, no, no, no. this is too much. Yeah. I mean, do you think you would have been able to, did you, did you ever do full time? Was it just like... Yeah, I did full time, but I had three children and yeah. I made a conscious decision that, you know, that I didn't want it to be on my gravestone that she was very good at planning mm. or she was always on time with deadlines. I wanted mm. it to be on my gravestone that I was a much loved mum. Mm. And that's the bottom line, mm. really, is that at the end of the day, uh, yes, I'm a very dedicated teacher and um, helper of children and families. But I have my own family too. Mm. And so I was lucky that I was able to be sort of part-time for quite a lot of that time. Mm. And I also made sure that I worked very closely with my partner teacher so that most head teachers who I've worked under in a part-time basis would say, you get a week's work out of Caroline in three days. And that's just what they say because, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not prepared to to not do the job properly. And I always made sure that I spent a lot of time communicating with partner teachers so that the children didn't miss out because a lot of parents feel that, you know, if you've got a job share teacher, it's not as good because they don't tell each other everything and that sort of thing. And I can understand that. Mm. I wouldn't want that for my own children. So I tried to make sure that, you know, from an integrity point of view, that everybody got, you know, the best possible mm. um, scenario. Mm. Um, yeah yeah but then again you know like I've, I've said this a number of times on here and other people have said it, it's not an original me but like it is the thing that covid kind of reiterated for everyone is that you know put the mask on yourself before helping anybody else like have you always been quite conscious of your own health your own stress levels with stuff are you quite good at kind of no 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 i like i i don't need to kill myself for this basically because some people will some people yeah. just be like you know I, like oh I'll put myself through hell because I don't matter it's so important that yeah no absolutely and um that there was a time where I was not well at all not due to work-life balance but due to a, a a particular situation that happened and I did have to take some time out and that made me sort of make sure amongst myself and amongst my colleagues that people made sure that they were looking after themselves mm. um, as a result of that. And it made me very aware of 
situations that can arise in schools that are not helpful. And I was kind of much more hyper aware of those sorts of things in the early stages than people necessarily are. So you can see things happening mm. and start to see changes in people and changes in circumstances. And I was very, although I was never a union rep or anything like that, I was very sort of careful to make sure that I, A, if I heard somebody being praised that hadn't been told about something that they were doing well, I made sure that I told them. Uh, so-and-so said that was really, you know, you did such a mm. your really good job. Mm. So that people hear it because it's very easy for those things to get missed. Mm. Um, but also if I was starting to notice that somebody wasn't looking particularly great or was starting to, you know, not be quite themselves, that I would check in on them because, yeah, I didn't want anybody to go where I'd gone, really. Mm. But I came back and I got myself back to, you know, a good place. So when I left last year, I left feeling good about what I'd done and where I was. Teaching itself, the profession itself is, you know, in a, a very difficult place right now. But I felt okay in myself about what I was doing and my performance. Mm. Yeah, and that I, I'm very careful to uh, make sure that I'm doing, that, I, that I'm okay. Mm. Very, very sensible. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you can't be a mum and a wife very effectively if you're not okay. And or or a teacher in a lot of levels. Or a teacher. Yeah. No. I was going to say something else there on this. Oh, yeah. So, like, because we're on, on UBI, um, I mean, how do you think on a sort of wider level, like, you know, if everyone's getting a UBI, like, oh, your parents and, and like, you know, maybe it starts at 16 or whatever. Like, how do you think that would change things for them in terms of, like, they could potentially have more time more time to give to the kids and support the kids with homework, more time to understand things, more time to kind of like, you know, be at home, be less stressed. Um, and, and equally, you know, that would impact on the children because the children would be less stressed because the children get stressed when the family's stressed. So like, do you think, how much pressure do you think that could potentially take off like the role? Um, I think it, it sounds wonderful in principle. Yeah, obviously it's idealised, but yeah. Yeah, uh, it's in some senses that sounds quite simplistic, mm. um, only because I guess I, I know what children come to school with mm. each day. Mm. Um, and so some of those things might be mitigated by the fact that their parents weren't so stressed about money. Mm. However, it's much more complex than that. We all we all know that children come to school with, you know, much more than than uh, whether or not they've had their breakfast, which would be a good start. But I guess if mummy and or daddy or or other combinations of parents were feeling more um, freed up in their brain mm. to to be the parent they always wanted to be, rather than the person who had to be out at work till doing three jobs to pay the bill, then that would have a massively positive impact on, on the whole family, definitely. And I, and I would like to think that, you know, there, there are parents out there who are doing three jobs to pay the bills and who see very little of their children. And it tends to be at bedtime when everybody's not at their best, you know, or dashing off to school on the morning and everybody's dashing out of the door. And, and I would like to think that, yes, we would still all want to contribute to society by doing something, but maybe not feel that you have to do 
everything because you had to pay your bills. Mm. Mm. And, you know, I think it's important that children and families feel that, you know, we have a role to play and, you know, we all have something really good to contribute, whether whatever that is, and it's, mm. and it's very valuable to be able mm. to contribute something to the, the running of the society that we live in. Mm. Um, I guess if you didn't feel that you had to do it, do it several times over in the day just because you hadn't got, it wasn't earning enough to bring in the money to pay the bills, that would be mm. a big weight off shoulders. Mm. Um, and I know that when I originally decided I was going to come out of the classroom, my brain freed up massively mm. in the space of a week mm. just because I knew. Like a huge way off, like, oh feel, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I could feel a space opening up in yeah. terms of brain space to, possibilities. to think about all the things and yeah. possibilities. Yeah. yeah. So if, if your brain space is freed up because you know that your bills are sorted, Mm. then, you know, great, what else can we do with our lives? Mm. That would be wonderful. Well, uh, this is one that I've probably, I, I don't think I've dropped this into the podcast before, but like there, there was a study in India where yeah. they had a bunch of rural farmers and got them to do IQ tests, basically. And IQ tests, there's a whole load of, you know, stuff with IQ tests. But the, the results were basically that during the dry seasons, when there was less food around and stuff, and they were more stressed and kind of worried about, they didn't have as much money. They didn't have as much food. Like their, their IQ literally drops because they were having more worries about money and, and you know, like life. Uh, and then when the calorie increase came up, it, it was like, oh yeah, it's like we got smarter again. And it does, it does. I mean, that just seems logical to me because we, we I, I think we all know from our life experience of like, when things are hard financially it's just like because you do make stupid decisions but it's like well what other options have i got because you your horizons narrow well yeah and just the ability to be creative and to enjoy things you know and to create those endorphins that then create more endorphins mm -hmm. to make life be happy mm -hmm. um, and i know there's an element of consciousness in terms of deciding to be happy mm -hmm. and have a happy persona you know even in the worst of times mm. but that gets harder obviously when you know when you're actually on the red line mm. um to have that happy enjoyment of life and i know that you know we have come a long way in terms of what we expect from life and also what we expect to have in life i know that you know family members of mine in the past have lived in empty cold flats with nothing but boxes to sit on mm. and we've come a long way from that and I, I know that you know my grandparents my parents grew up one as in a single parent family which in those days was not a thing to do at all and my my other grandparents had disabilities so were unable to work a lot of the time mm. so both my parents grew up in you know not a particularly easy circumstance mm. And, you know, thinking back to those days and thinking about where we all are now, or a lot of us that were, you know, are very privileged, really. In a way, we, we have made a lot of progress, but there are still fat hundreds, thousands of children and families who are, who are living on the breadline. Mm. Uh, and their ability to be creative and be happy must, is, is vastly limited. I mean, just the whole concept of having breakfast clubs. Um, or feeding children as they come into school. The whole thing about having the third of a pint of warm milk on arrival 
is is rooted in 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 all that understanding about um, nutrition and um, having your basic needs met. You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs it, it still comes down to that for a lot of children. Mm. Okay, so the change question. So you can take it back to teaching if you want, but I, it, it'd be interesting to actually hear your answer with regards to your business. Um, mm-hmm. So if there were any three things you could change about your work right now, so you can change anything at all. It can be as big or as small as you want. It can be nothing at all. Uh, so any three things about your work, what would you change? Uh, well, I would change how busy I am uh, in terms of my amount of business that I'm getting in. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that I had, you know, several, a, a couple of groups a day with, mm. you know, a few people in each group and potentially a Zoom group on an evening as well. Mm-hmm. I would like to change, yeah, the amount of people that I'm working with would mm. be my major thing, partly for my own income, but also obviously partly because of that's what I'm about. That's the point of what yeah, I'm Yeah, and doing. you want to be helping more people. You want to increase your reach. Yeah. 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 So that would be my first biggest change. My second change would be, I guess, to do with my own business acumen and my own ability to market myself and plan and all of those things to do with running a successful business. I would like to think I would, I mean, I'm a fairly strategic person. Mm. Um, you know, I was always on senior leadership team. Uh, that was my, one of my favorite parts of the job was the strategic planning of mm. things and being part of the bigger picture. Mm. When it comes to doing this, job like this I guess I had a strategy Mm. but it was so new that I've had to learn how to do that and I'm still massively learning all the time so I would like to think that I was more knowledgeable and and strategic with that knowledge about what to do when and and realistic about what I would expect Mm. to happen I guess I don't know whether I would have taken any other paid work on in between times because it would have still limited what I was able to do. Yeah, so I, I guess I would, I probably wouldn't change that and go still do it, you know, by not taking on any other work. Yeah. Uh, the work that I'm doing for university now is very much sort of an ad hoc basis and it's timetabled in advance so I know yeah. I can book my own things around it. Yeah. Uh, whereas if I was looking in a shop, I wouldn't be able to do that at all. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have that element of control or, yeah, or whatever else I was working in. So I wouldn't change that. I don't know what else I'd change, really. I guess I'd like to, I would change it up so that uh, I could franchise it more quickly and get, and grow it more quickly. But, mm. I, you know, I guess that's not very realistic at this point. <laughs> I guess you read so many stories about people, you know, making, doing their first 10 grand month, yeah. you know, three months in and, and that sort of thing. But maybe they've had much more of a business experience than I have. Yeah, but well, or oh, maybe their you know pool of connections is massive. You know, like it's yeah, you know, it's as much uh, who you know, isn't it? It's uh, absolutely yeah, yeah. And 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 people are a resource again. Going back to COVID, you know, like you, everyone's spending someone else's income and and vice versa. So yeah, it's 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 knowing the people, which is then is then you back into social media of like get more people, but then it's like yeah. not just more people, the right people. And then the right people and people who want to spend their money with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, as Kevin Pratt, uh, I mean, he was quoting someone else. It was a guy who was on the, a, a couple of episodes back. He was saying, uh, you know, it's, it's about getting the right people on the bus and getting them in the right seats. 
which I was I quite liked that. So yeah, that leaves us with plenty of time to kind of throw it over to you. Before I do that, I do want to, because as, as you were talking, I was kind of like, I can so imagine a lot of this, like there is so much kind of media content that you can create based on this, like from what you've said, um, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I, I had visions of you kind of doing like, you know, like cookery videos. Well, also teaching people about their, like, here, here's what you need to know about school and here's my cake yeah. that I'm making and I'm doing this. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> or, you know. On its while baking. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I could see you potentially being like, you could be like a Martin Lewis on TV, but for teaching and like, you know, for parents sort of thing. Like potentially there's all sorts of, it, it, it depends. Yeah, I mean, there is quite a lot of it about, you know, mm-hmm. when you when you start looking, there's there's lots of um, teachers doing online stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and some teachers are doing it to help teachers. Some mm-hmm. teachers are doing it to help parents a bit there's there's less for parents most of it's teachers helping other teachers and that mm. sort of thing but i mean it, it the market is certainly not saturated at all and, and whenever you talk to somebody new this they, they sort of say something like what you've just said so clearly it's not a common thing that people know mm. you know in, in so much as everybody's heard of martin lewis there isn't somebody that everybody can go oh there's such a teacher have mm. you heard of her Teachers know about them, but most people, don't, most other people, most ordinary people uh, who don't spend their life worrying about teaching don't know about them. So, yeah, feel free to chuck ideas at me about things I could do. I think the hardest part of that is is learning the tech mm. as much as anything. Mm. But that's just a kind of trial and uh, try and fail kind of thing, I think, at this point, because you've yeah. got, you know, like the thing is, as you get better, your audience would get bigger. So that's, that's yeah. the way it should work, I think, ideally. And I think it's probably good that you don't, you know, you don't want to scale too big because you are, you're still really exploring the idea for yourself, aren't you? You're kind of. Yeah. And I mean, the, the CPD for teachers on speaking and listening that I'm doing, I've been reckoning to do since about March. Mm. But, you know, everything ends up, you, you've got to focus on one thing at a time, really. Mm. And that's just had. Although it's absolutely something that I'm passionate about for a lot of different reasons, it's had to take a back seat because I can't do everything. Mm. My family circumstances are not straightforward enough for me to say, I'm going to work nine till five every day on this. Mm. That's not how it is. And so I have to, you know, do my work to fit around my family circumstances and my own personal amount that I want to work. It's taken a bit of getting used to. I was saying this to somebody else the other day not working at 100 miles an hour mm. because that's what I'm used to. Mm. I'm used to everybody wanting everything yesterday mm. and literally, as I said to you before, working from quarter past seven on the morning till six at night with a, mm. a seven-minute break and then carry on on at home. And, that's how I'm, and I'm also used to, you know, if you send an email to somebody, they'll respond. Mm. <laughs> I'm used to that. Mm. Uh, and I'm used to if somebody sends me an email that I respond within a, a couple of hours really and that's very difficult to get used to because the rest of the world doesn't seem to work like that <laughs> at all the, in the real world um, as people like to say no yeah <laughs> um uh, yeah like in teaching do people read emails then like because yeah. nobody reads and people emails. email each other throughout the day so i would maybe get an email from the office saying such a person's not coming in and then at three o'clock 
somebody will come and say, did you get the email? I said, well, no, I was teaching, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't read my email. But I was actually teaching. <laughs> or you'll, people will send you emails during the day to just send you a message because it's quicker than walking from one end of the school building mm-hmm. than it to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's, that's yeah. their work-life balance. Mm. Um, it's quicker to do that than to come and find me. Also, it means it doesn't interrupt things because you, you, there's nothing worse than trying to do an input with a group of children and somebody and five different people walk in to bring you a message. Mm. So, you know, it's, it swings in roundabouts. And like you say, you know, people don't respond as quickly mm. as you might like, but I'm used to that being the expectation, mm. really. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a real change of pace. Change of... Absolutely. I, I, I mean, how hard has that been to adjust to? I mean, it's a, it's a big change and like you know you've been used to that world that you were in for a long time I mean obviously there's been huge changes there as well but like that's this is a huge change yeah I think because because of the uh way things have broken up over the last couple of years in terms of us you know working in different ways Mm. it's not been such a shock to the system Mm. in that respect What's the shock to the system is then me trying to set things up and other people not working at 100 miles an hour. Mm. And also the fact that I'm not prepared to work at 100 miles an hour. That's partly why, you know, what I'm trying to do with my work-life balance is to work in a more manageable and sustainable way for myself. So, yeah, it's a funny balance, really. And so I have 100 miles an hour expectations of what I'm going to achieve, but I'm not actually going to work at 100 miles an hour. So I'm used to sort of, planning lots of different things and then beating myself up about the fact that I haven't got them done yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to sort of work that out for myself really and go, no, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Have that plan, <laughs> do it when you're ready, but just don't worry about it right now. Yeah. I've written it down. It's on the list. It'll get done when it needs to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I guess as well, you know, like there is, you, you do upskill a lot in teaching. Like, so a lot of the, You've got a lot of the business knowledge as well already, I think, like in terms of kind of HR systems and and motivating people and kind of like even with training, you know, like how to train and and deliver training. And and so, you know, taking in all these kind of business books now, I mean, you've obviously like, I'm just guessing based on the way what you've said and the way you've you've talked about them, but it, it feels like you've devoured quite a lot of literature in quite a short amount of time and and absorbed a lot of it. Has that been the case? Yeah, absolutely. I've put myself into positions where I was learning and it's been really fun to actually learn those things and Mm. to really motivating to learn something brand new in a way, I guess, and to have the headspace to do that and it'd be my choice. But yeah, I've put myself into lots of positions where I could learn things that I needed to learn. I've joined groups, I've read stuff, I've bought stuff. I And, and so I guess that there's a time, I had to say, kind of stop doing that for a while because I had to mm. think, right, I need to do, I have to do some work now. Yeah, I have um, to do some work on the business, like do some business development, yeah. not just sit there um, going, yes, this is work. <laughs> yes, yeah, this, this is learning about systems. Right, well, let's actually put these <laughs> systems into practice now. But equally... I, I find myself frustrated by my lack of knowledge about other things. So I have to keep stopping and going, right, I actually need to learn this now. And and that's what I will have to do in order for it to grow, I think. I need to get 
more efficient systems in place and find ways of making things work quicker for me so that I'm not spending my energy on things that don't need to spend my energy on sort of thing. You know, even just down to how I use social media and using it better and using it more efficiently and and planning my working day better and that sort of thing. I've been quite systematic and planning ahead, but equally quite reactive Mm. because you kind of have to, because you have to sort of just see what comes up out of what you've chucked out there, really. I guess as as time goes on, I'd love to have, you know, a working week that was different every week, but relatively straightforward that that this is what I knew Mm. I could sort of plan for. And And I've tried to do that as much as I can so that, for example, I've just had a couple of days away with my husband that we'd planned for because I tend not to work at this end of the week if I can. Because mm-hmm. uh, otherwise, you know, what's the point of, of him being mm. retired and me working five days a week? That's bonkers. Mm. So, but I, I would I would love it to be better than that. Mm. But I, uh, yeah, I had to learn a lot and I'm still learning, but it, it's positive learning. Mm. How do you feel about the working on your own? I mean, obviously you're working with people, you're delivering to clients and stuff, but in terms of working on the business, you know, there's nobody, you haven't got colleagues, you haven't, like, I assume you haven't got a mentor or anyone that, like that, that, you know, like, I guess with your husband being retired, there's an element of you can talk to him about certain aspects of what you're doing and stuff, but on a day-to-day basis, like, is that difficult? I know for myself, it's like, God, it'd be great to have someone else to be working with and, you know, like to chat about what we're doing and, and have someone kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like interrogate your own ideas. Cause it's very easy to go, oh, this is an idea. It's great. Yeah. But then, like you know, a critical you try friend. Yeah. Yeah. It is tricky that, I mean, because I've purposely put myself into these groups in order to be able to do that because you do miss the colleagueship of the staff room no matter how little time you spend in there and I do have various educational friends who I chuck stuff out and go have a look Mm. at this Mm. Uh, I've worked on various projects with educational friends earlier on in the year where we've done things together so that's been great but yeah it is a you've kind of got to make a colleagueship of your own really Mm. I'm quite good at working on my own but equally, like the the lady from the, the den, I, I sort of just said to her, look, just tell me, tell me about these adverts because you're seeing them, I'm just making them. You know, you you know what, what it looks like as a mum or as a marketer. Mm. And I, my sister lives in Birmingham, so which is a bit of a pain in terms of meeting up with her to discuss my marketing. But we've arranged to sort of have a quarterly meetup where her husband looks after the children and me and her just sit and thrash through a load of stuff we go with a list and mm. we've done that once and it was really productive because it was so much easier to just sit next to her and go right how do I do this rather than her sort of going well let's have a zoom and I'll show you it's just so much easier to just sit next to somebody mm. so yeah I'm kind of just making my own way with that and making new colleagues really I guess in a way I'm still keeping in touch with the with the educational world a to keep up mm. to date but b to keep mm. because like you say, it's it's often just a matter of who you know and, and being able to sort of make links with other people through who other people know. Mm. I mean, you know, like you said before, you have to be everything. You're the marketing, you're the, like, you know, head of policy, you're finance, you're HR. <laughs> and you've uh, got to decide do, where you're spending time on the business and for the business and when, yeah, you know, like, yeah. sorting all of that. 
and, and that that's hard. And I have started to pay into a little group, a lady that lives in Seacroft, actually, who who's very good at organising business stuff. Bizarrely, though, well, no, ironically, I guess I've not had time to sit down with her and do what I'm paying her to do <laughs> because I'm too busy doing stuff. And and much as I'd like to pay a VA or pay a mentor to talk to me once a month or whatever, I, I, I can't justify it at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I have to sort it's of... Like, just... I can't pay myself. I can't pay anyone else. Yeah. And I know you've got to speculate to accumulate, and I get that. Mm. Uh, and had I had, I don't know, a startup grant or something like that, then maybe I would have considered that to be good use of the money. But basically, I'm, my startup grant is my savings. So I, yeah. I feel like I can't do that. Yeah, you don't want to. Maybe I should. I don't know. Too but... much. No. Well, I, yeah. I don't think so. I think it's, I think slow and steady, you know, like, because you, 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 this time you're kind of building you. Again, back to social proof, you know, people are getting to know you, you're working on a smaller scale, kind of like piloting the thing, ironing out the kinks. I, yeah. I yeah, think, I think I'm building better. the brand and the brand is me in a way at this point. And so I'm, I'm sort of trying to be. So I went to the first birthday party of the den at Hedden last week and I spent most of my time and I'd taken quite a few of my products. Mm. I'd gone in my t-shirt, you know, my brown t-shirt mm -hmm. and things but i spent most of my time making cups of tea and chatting to people about mm. breastfeeding babies and mm. stuff but as much, that was as useful as anything else because mm. you know I, i'm getting myself out there and looking like a normal person that's just just nice and, and helpful and friendly mm. not some dickensian teacher who's going to beat you with a stick if you didn't <laughs> get you know if you couldn't read it properly so i, I think that's as, just as valuable but i i put a on linkedin i think the other day saying you know Here's me uh, shamelessly advertising my stall at somebody else's event. And, you know, six months ago, I wouldn't have dreamed of doing that. Mm. Or shamelessly saying, "Can I come to your event and bring some stuff?" Mm. Um, because I'm still, I am proud of what I do, and I'm, mm. and I, I think there's a massive value in it. So I'm learning to just crack on, and mm. and because if, if I don't show my face, nobody's going to know I'm there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Okay, then. So, uh, yeah, at this point, I'm going to throw it over to you. Is there anything uh, that you want to sort of discuss, uh, talk about, bring up, or um, like, you know, let us know where people can find you, uh, you know, the websites, where your socials are, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, over to you, whatever you'd like to kind of chat about. I, I just think that there's an awful lot of power in community and in talk and people's ability to learn from each other and share with each other and mm. all the work that everybody's doing about mental health and mental health awareness and equity and, and opportunity is something that I'm very passionate about. And so what I'm working towards is building up communities of people, little communities of people who are learning from each other and supporting each other. And my work as, as kitchen table teacher, but also my work helping teachers to develop those mm. communication skills are, for me, a way forward in, in building that equity for children and families. Mm. But there's lots of other people in other in parts of different parts of the community doing equally valuable work to help with those support systems. So I, I consider myself part of that, really, I, although my work is kind of new and and it's a slightly different twist on things mm. i think i'm still part of that whole community support system mm. feel and i would like to think that i was part of that 
So if people thought that I had something to offer in terms of their community groups and work, I'd be very open to chat about that and see how else we can work together in different ways. Mm. So my website currently is the Kitchen Table Teacher website, but people can contact me through that. So it's www.kitchentableteacher.co.uk, which my husband thinks is far too long-winded, but it's what it is. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Kitchen Table Teacher UK. I'm also on LinkedIn as me, as Caroline Hudson, but I do have a Kitchen Table Teacher LinkedIn page, mm. sort of in the background for for the future, really. Mm -hmm. Happy to talk to people about things that we can do together to to build that strength and power of community to help each other. Thank you again to Caroline for being my guest. Thanks again to all my guests and thanks to you, Leeds, for being my subject. And of course, most of all, thank you to you, my dear listener. So this isn't the episode I had planned for today. Well, yesterday. Uh, that interview and a couple of others were very ropey quality-wise, so I'm going to sprinkle those episodes about a bit, so hopefully they're not all coming out at you at once. If you would like to help the show improve episode quality, then you can help by growing the show through engaging online, through our socials, promoting the show in your networks, or by throwing in some cash to help the show become self-sustaining. Anyway, thanks for listening and I hope you got something out of this and please come back on Friday for more working hours. I'll try my best to get it out on time. If someone new joins the Patreon or donates, then I will feel more obliged to make myself do that. You can follow this show on Twitter at WorkingHours3 and on Instagram at WorkingHoursPodLeads. Use the hashtag WorkingHoursPodLeads to stay up to date on when new episodes are being released, to DM me with your questions, or most importantly, to get in touch if you'd like to be my guest on this show. Please do chuck in anything you can to help the show grow. Go to ko-fi.com forward slash WorkingHours and join me there for a pound a month or you can make a one-off donation of whatever amount. Uh, you can also go to patreon.com forward slash working hours pod to support working hours, again, from as little as a pound a month. Why not be super awesome and join both? Do something new and something different. Remember to like, share, follow, and subscribe to Working Hours. That's me. Cheers, ears. Take care out there and be kind to each other, leads. Working Hours is produced, recorded, edited and published by Simon Treen for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes, which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org. Please like Western Studios Leeds on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash western underscore studios underscore Leeds and on LinkedIn linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash western hyphen studios. Leads, are you considering taking the plunge into podcasts or audio content? Then think Western Studios for support, advice and guidance on getting it made. At Western Studios, you work with a real life learner who is actually in Leeds. Not a piece of software, not a course of articles or a series of live chats and video courses, but me, a person in physical place-based reality. If you want to work with me to make your podcast or any digital audio content in Leeds, whether it's for your own cause, your publicity campaigns, to promote your products, increase your sales, or just to create your own passion projects, then get in touch with me, Western Studios, now. Don't wade through vapid articles and videos and podcasts about how to make podcasts by 
disembodied virtual people on the web. Get on with making your podcast now. And then when it gets hard and expensive and it all goes wrong, which it will, then call Western Studios to make your podcast with you or even for you. Western Studios will take on your podcast's boring, time-consuming and painful admin, recording, editing, transcription, whatever. Tell me about your podcasting pain points and I can make it all better for you. I feel your pain. For a charge, I will share it. Remember, podcast work is work. Leads, businesses, leads, campaigns, leads, brands. Got an inkling that you'd like a podcast but don't know where to start? Contact Western Studios at makemypodcast at western-studios.com and we'll start making your podcast straight away. The first hour of arranged consultation and pre-production time is free. £25 an hour after that for editing, recording, production. I can also arrange hefty discounts for the right projects. So tell me your idea and your budget and I'll tell you what I can do for you. What do you have to lose? Time, that's what. Time is running out. The best time to make a podcast was 10 years ago. The second best time is right now. Writers in Yorkshire, what are you doing with your lives? Hopefully you're writing. Well, I know there are listeners out there who want to hear great original writing performed as audio content that is about and for and has been made in Leeds. How do I know this? Because I'm one of them loiners what wants it. Help me make your old screenplays, unpublished novels, unperformed plays, stories, poems and performances, whatever you got, baby, and make it as podcast content. Is your work arty, salacious, pulpy, strange? Good. Is it unfinished? Good. I can help you with that too. I can work with you to find actors, musicians and voiceover artists and quickly realise your projects. I get practice making the shows and you get a finished, performed and published version of your writing. Save yourself the hassle and the headache of making your podcasts on your own by working with me instead.